Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters Podcast. This is episode 75. You've got Chris and Brian. Um, this time around, we're going to talk about doing um, rifle stuff with AR platform rifles, um, a couple AKs. Uh, we call it intermediate distances, so out through 300 yards. Absolutely. Um, guys, The you know we were, we were just discussing um, right, right before this, you know, some of the things that are that are interesting about about shooting guns at intermediate distance and shooting rifles or carbines, or in this case, AR pistols at intermediate distances. Um, but we, we have conversations on a, if not weekly, weekly for sure, if not almost daily conversation with people who are concerned about the ballistics of an AR pistol or of an AR carbine at significant distance. Um, I, I, would, I would really like to throw out the concept that if you can put meat, metal on meat, um, at nearly any distance, your, your nine millimeter handgun round at the muzzle, um, might be going to screaming 1200 feet per second out of a pistol. Um, you know, and granted it's designed to open up at 1200 or, or 700 or 800 feet per second, but it might be going 1200 feet per second at the muzzle. More likely if you're carrying a small gun and a bigger bullet, it might even be going slower than that, like 900 or a thousand feet per second if you're lucky. So the idea that somehow a, a 55 grain pill out of an AR going 2400 foot per second or 2200 foot per second is, is, you know, is just not enough to get the job done. Um, it, you don't, we're not talking about making things explode and disappear into a vapor. We're talking about putting meat on somebody to dissuade them from wanting to continue to aggress you, whether it's at five feet or at 300 yards, one way or the other. Um, so having, so, so starting off with that and, and throwing out the idea that, you know, modern five, five, six rounds are, are pretty, are pretty impressive with what they can do. Um, the projectile design is not M193 ball ammo, which is still a viable option if you're at close range and can get it going fast enough. Um, but, you know, when you look at some of the other rounds out there right now, uh, soft points and hollow points and, and tactical rounds from Winchester Ranger, from Federal and others, there's a lot of good rifle ammo that performs pretty well out of shorter guns. Um, we come back to it's it's more the Indian than the arrow. Shot placement matters. Yep. Shot placement matters. And the ability to get hits on target matters. So, so having said all that, uh, prefacing all this with that, uh, we spent uh, uh, an evening with the tribe here recently. Um, starting out, you know, everybody was assumed everybody would show up with a right with a zeroed rifle, um, and it would seem that it, for the most part, everybody did. Yeah. Um, um, it would seem that everybody, you know, showed up with a zeroed rifle. We went to a hundred yards, um, took a shot on a big plate. I took a whole bunch of shots at an intermediate size plate. I'm not even willing to say small because it was a 12 inch plate. Um, if you're doing intermediate fasting and it makes you shake like a leaf, um, it's really interesting trying to get standing hits on even a big ass steel plate at a hundred yards. Um, I was a little embarrassed with my inability to, to hit damn near anything that wasn't the size of a Volkswagen, um, standing. So, but anyway, was on you. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm, and I, you know, and I'm always one of those guys who says, you know, go out and train in crappy weather, go out and train when you're tired, go out and you know, throw some PT into your training on an occasional basis and stress yourself. Um, I, I found out that if I'm if I'm toward that like 16th or 18th hour of not eating, um, holding a rifle steady <laughs> became nearly impossible for me apparently because I didn't hit crap other than a giant silhouette at 100 yards. Uh, a little bit embarrassing, but you know, just a note. You know, know yourself, know your body, know your limitations. Um, you know, train under adverse circumstances or, or dis normal circumstances. 
uh, so you have an idea what's going to happen. It, it you know it might be good information to have in the ticker, you know, in that file ready to go. So uh, so we we proceeded to shoot at 100 yards. Um, we had about half of our tribe step up and basically go ping ping, uh, big target, small target, walk away, and we had the other half um, embarrassingly take a couple shots, myself included, um, to get on a little bit smaller plate. And I think that kind of got everybody's mind right about slowing the hell down and squeezing the trigger, uh, which is one of the things we'll talk about later is one of the takeaways from this training day. Um, anything at a hundred you want to throw out there? Um, yeah, I mean, hundred, like really the expectation was you step up, it's ping, ping. Okay, and then we, we're going back to 200. It was more of a safety. It was thing. honestly more of a safety check yeah. to make sure everybody's stuff, you know, was on a target at, at that distance, yeah. not not somewhere other than off the target. So, um, good. Yeah, at that point, we went back to 200, kind of did the same thing. Yeah. You know, again, just you know, kind of confirm that things are doing what they're supposed to be doing. A um, little bit of a you know confidence reassurance, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and then we went back to 300. Um, uh, Shout out and thank you to the PRS guys at our club for building um, fun toys and props and things to play with. Yes. Uh, so at 300, we had uh, a series of, call them structures, obstacles, um, supports, what have you, uh, ranging from a cable spool um, to a cattle gate to a, a tank, uh, tank killer. Yeah, like a tank trap. Made out of four um, by fours. Um, we had a rooftop ledge thing. Yep. And then this some vertical some slash vertical, horizontal mixed structure that's kind yeah. of wickety wobbly, um, which makes things interesting too. Yeah. So we paired up. Um, we had ten of us total. So paired up um, two shooters per position. Um, the expectation was, you know, we set a timer for fifteen minutes. Um, you just rotated, you know, those two shooters at one position, and we went round robin between all five groups. Um, you know, two shots per shooter per evolution. Yeah, the, and the the first shot was intended that was your buy-in. If you if you made your first shot on a standard size silhouette steel at 300 yards, then you were supposed to push onto a 12-inch plate at 300 yards and challenge yourself. Um, if you didn't make that first hit on the big plate, then you were trying to get your second hit on that big plate. And if you missed both, we threw gravel at you and mocked you. Uh, not today, but anyway, we mocked yeah. you. We just didn't throw gravel at you. Um, yeah. Um, and then the uh, kind of add, I guess, the challenge or to make this a little bit more realistic from a tactical perspective, uh, the person who was on deck, uh, they started to get into position when the shooter before them took their first shot. So this wasn't a, like, oh, I've got all day to get into position, but it was more of a, how can I hastily do what I need to do um, with enough support and precision to rapidly make a hit, you know, on a on a man-sized target at 300 yards. Yeah. So in, in the round-robin thing kept everybody moving. It also kept a lot of eyes on the shooting, so there were a lot of guys able to call out shots. Um, and, and your partner was also able to maybe, you know, guide positioning too. Um, the, the idea with each of the, the structures or each of the barricades or each of the obstacles that we used to shoot off of was, was to kind of keep changing positions around those obstacles, but utilize the obstacle, not to go prone next to it or something like that. But actually utilize it, and and as Brian mentioned, you know the there were some obstacles that seemed like they would have been really nice to shoot off of, um, like a great big wooden wire coil that was probably three feet tall on the edges, and then the core was probably 16, 18 inches in diameter, but probably yeah. twenty four inches off the ground, something like that. Yeah, maybe like like twelve or eighteen inches off the ground. Yes, it was it fairly was just low. enough to shoot from yeah. underneath it. Yeah, but not really 
like you had to be mag on the deck shooting prone. Absolutely. And and what a lot of guys figured out is sometimes, you know, there's there's always that the lower to the ground you are, the more stable you are from a shooting position standpoint, but then you give up mobility. Um, you know, so getting into the position might take a skosh longer if it's lower, but it's probably going to be more stable. But there were times where he found out that shooting off the internal core of like that wire um, spool, uh, because you had to get in an awkward position to get low enough to use the internal core as a rest, um, staying on the outside wall of the core and using a couple, like an elbow over it, an elbow inside of it, and getting multiple points of contact um, made up for the height trade off in yep. this case for stability's sake. And there were a couple of the barricades that were the same way where if you could get in a good kneeling position, you couldn't get proned out because the bar was in the wrong place on the cattle gate to get proned out, unless you just wanted to shoot through it, which wasn't actually utilizing the gate at that point, um, unless you just wanted to shoot through it. So, uh, you know, if you went to the first bar that you could put your handguard on to rest it on, it was too high to get comfortable. Then a lot of guys found that going to a kneeling or a squatting or a sitting or something mm -hmm. like that gave them, you know, the stability, or even doing a standing position, but, but you know, feet spread apart, and get cranked on to the gun and using, yep. you know, doing a pull cue kind of setup where you're using one of the corners and having two points of contact on the gun made a big difference. Um, quite honestly, I think the position, the two that most guys struggled with, I think everybody figured out the core, that spool. But I think, yeah. they, I think the cattle gate is still probably one of the most challenging positions because it wobbles and it's slick. It's and real it's, slippery. And being a, you know, round tubes on the cattle gate, you, yeah. you have minimal contact with the rail on the gun. Yeah. Um, the other position that was a little bit of a struggle was the roof. Um, yeah. It was at such an angle that it was really difficult with the mag on your gun. If you're that, you know, one of those places where 20 round mags become your friend. Um, mm -hmm. If you were running a standard, you know, 30 round AR mag, um, trying to find some place to put the four in that the mag didn't push the butt of the gun up too high to get lined up, um, and then figuring out different ways to utilize that. Quite honestly, we had some guys have better success standing on the roof using one of the posts of the device, and what was way off the ground and should have been unstable mm -hmm. ended up being a little bit better way to lock in for, for a couple of us. With, with the, you know, the realization that you, they had a lot of exposure to throw something. Absolutely. You were, way. you were totally skylining yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I wasn't thinking of any of those devices as cover. I was just thinking of them as a way yeah. to a prop to utilize, you know, stabilize the weapon. So, um, but yes, yeah, so, I mean, you know, we, we went, like Brian said, we went about um, 10, 15 minutes. 15 minutes. Per, per, okay. Per, yep. per, at, at each pair at a position, and like Brian said, you know, traded off shooters, um, practicing getting into position with a little bit of alacrity, um, you know, and getting set up behind the gun, you know, quick enough to make the hit, not so fast that you were fudging the hit, um, and did that for, you know, uh, I guess what, what would that have been, 75 minutes? Yeah. yeah. Um, gave everybody somewhere probably between five and seven attempts per position. Um, yeah, I would. Yeah, I mean, I, I know I went through almost a mag in each position, which would be right about there. Um, so yeah, and, and like I said, really good opportunities to figure out what works. Um, also, really good opportunities to try out some positions that maybe the first time you used a position you didn't like it, but the second time you tweaked it just a little bit and see if you can make it work um, by adding somehow another point of contact, whether that's a knee up against the barricade, an elbow somewhere else on the barricade, or whatever. Um, but with those types of props. It was really a good learning opportunity also to watch the other guys and say, okay, oh, crap, that dude just did this to line up on it. Um, and some guys chose to get in some positions that just sucked just because they were too, it was too easy in the other positions yeah. and try it out. And then found out, wow, they can make hits too. And we had a couple guys shooting um, 
pistols at 300, AR pistols at 300, and a couple guys shooting 300 blackout at 300. For a couple shots. For, for a couple shots, yeah. but I but figured out that, you know, um, you know the trajectory is a big deal. You're dropping the round, especially subs, you're dropping them way down. I don't know how many inches of elevation we were talking, but it was it was, it was feet. Many, many feet. Yeah, it was many, feet. Many inches. Yeah, it was 90-some or something like something that. Like that. Um, we had one of our guys running a... Um, Running a Krinkoff 762 by 39 I think it's a rifle dynamics gun, uh, side-folding SBR, and actually was probably hitting a little better than 50% from awkward positions, mm-hmm. um, uh, running an Aimpoint uh, T1 on a Fuller Crink. And I don't know, like I said, not a 545 gun either. It was a 762 yeah. by 39 um, and hitting better than 50% from some of these jacked-up positions in different places. Um, and, and I think everybody was able to adapt the weapons to the distance and their holdovers and stuff like that, because we've got a core of solid shooters, um, but a very adaptable group of guys. Um, this is something that came out of this. We also had, uh, one of the guys running iron sights, at least one. I don't think anybody else did. Two. Two. Uh, Yeah. The other other guy running a a five, four, five by three, nine. Uh, okay. Or I'm sorry. Seven six two by three nine eight. Was was it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The other guy running a full, full size. 16-inch AK. Yeah. Bob had irons. Yeah, with irons. And then and then the other gentleman was running uh, just a standard, you know, M4 carbine-ish, 16-inch carbine with iron sights. Um, both the, the, the gentleman running the full-sized AK definitely struggled until he figured out, you know, how, how to get, how to utilize, again, the multiple points of contact to get in the game, but fought quite a bit with the elevation because you, at 300 yards, you are dropping AK rounds onto that yeah. plate. Um, the other gentleman running the 16-inch AR really didn't struggle much at all, uh, was able to get on the target. The, the differential um, was the fact that both guys were probably taken somewhere between, I'm going to say, twice to four times as long to get the first shot off, to get the sights lined up, to see the front post, to, to resolve distance, sight picture, and sight hold over to make the hit. Yeah, um, the, the, I would say the same thing about the second shot too. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, the, the it was t- so so the idea, you know, and, and so again, this is one of the things we were discussing before the podcast is that um, you know Brian, had, you know, said basically iron sights are obsolete, and I, I don't know that I'll agree that iron sight iron sights are obsolete. I would agree that iron sights are obsolete as a primary aiming system yeah. at this day and age on a rifle. Not that you should not use them, not that you shouldn't zero them, blah, 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 blah. You know, here come all the Marines from the 1980s and 1990s. You know, ah, oh, KD range, it's God, 500 yards, iron sights, expert, expert. Okay, cool. Um, turn out the lights. Shit sucks. Um, realize yeah. how much faster your brothers with optics are smacking targets than you mm-hmm. are. Um, it's not that you shouldn't be able to do it. Uh, but the iron sights are definitely a backup sighting system at this stage of the game, possibly a tertiary sighting system at this stage of the game, depending too, if you're, you know, if you're tactical law enforcement and you're running nods with IR lasers and stuff like that, you know, the irons are a backup to the backup because that IR laser system probably has a visible laser system that your hand's already on that you can default to pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, whatever works for you, but either way. Or having an offset you know, yeah. red dot. Yeah. So... Yeah, so like I said, you know, zero, you know, know how to use your irons, zero your irons, um, maybe maybe play around them at, you know, close range, 100 yards, 200 yards, whatever. Um, the reality check is, you know, going to three, four, and 500 yards, it's the same sight picture, it's your holdover, um, and knowing where that holdover is, and, and it's just not someplace I'm going to spend a whole lot of money and ammo or a whole lot of my time getting good at shooting iron sights, uh, probably beyond 50 or 100 yards. 
yeah. um, you know, other than just confirmation sake. So, um, so we had a, a number of takeaways, you know, from the evening, and and I think that that was one of them was recognizing that the yep. guys were able to make hits and that was impressive, um, but the amount of time it took was was obviously way longer than it took for the guys with magnified or just dot optics even. Yeah. Um, so you know another takeaway was definitely position the closer you are to the ground, the more stable you are. Um, but again, recognizing that you give up mobility, um, you decrease your profile, you dec- increase your stability, you know, but you do definitely give up mobility, um, and you may give up options too. Um, a lot of guys will tell you from a real world position, you know, hunting and stuff like that, sometimes getting down on the ground. Um, there were a couple places on the range where you couldn't shoot from prone because of the height of the grass on the smaller targets because you right. just couldn't see them. Um, but, you know, recognizing some of those things. Uh, points of contact, the more points of contact you can get with the ground or with a stable part of the barricade. Um, you know, I found on the tank trap, um, I got, I got real close to that tank trap, um, that tank trap and I got, we we were intimate. Yes. I was wrapped up around that tank trap pretty good. Um, and actually found that to be a reasonably stable shooting position, which kind of, you know, it's like, yeah, let's give this a shot and see what happens. Uh, as far as points of contact, um, I had all of them. I was basically, I mean, you know, soup to nuts, top to bottom, touching some part of the tank trap with some part of my body. (laughs) It was fun. Um, anyway, nothing dirty. Nothing dirty. Relax. Kids uh, so, with, one of the things with the points to contact, uh, I've seen an 11 3-inch pistol with a 10-inch PCM rail on it. Yep. And some random things scattered around the rail. Uh, having it with a suppressor on there that's about the same diameter as the rail. Yeah. Uh, it was, at times, challenging to figure out, is the rail touching the prop? Is the suppressor touching the prop? Yep. Uh, when the suppressor was touching the prop, that's obviously putting pressure on the barrel. Uh, and those, that caused misses. No longer um, free-floated. Yeah, it was no longer free-floated. Yeah. Uh, it was sort of a frustrating experience. Um, so, you know, having, I would say having, in this case, you know, a full-size 16-inch rifle or a 14.5, you know, pin and welded with a, a longer rail uh, was definitely beneficial to a number of people. Yep. Uh, and then how you have things positioned, you know, on the rail, the gun, um, if you're trying to do especially put the, the side of the rail up against um, yeah. a prop for stability or where you can pull, you know, the rifle into, you know, a corner or something um, really becomes a, an important thing to be able to do. Absolutely. Yeah. You I mean, you're running that Holosun de- laser designator. Yeah. Don't buy laser designator things from Holosun. Um, They're not ready for prime time. Yeah. I had a mount failure, came off yeah, the gun. Multiple times. Yeah. Multiple times. Uh, but it's also, you know, a box on the side of the gun. So be aware of that. I mean, again, if, you know, if your mission and your job requires you to have, um, you know, a peck or whatever on the side of the gun or the top of the gun or whatever, just understand how to, you know, utilize it around those types of barricades. That's why you train is to find out, you know, what's going to get in your way and what's not and how you can utilize it. Um, I'm running a four, I ran a 14 and a half inch gun, uh, pinned and welded with a, uh, BCM KAG angled grip device assistive thing um and it's actually extremely handy because you can push that cag that hook into yeah. things um and get a little bit of pressure on it and get set up and kind of pull cue the foreign and stuff like that um and that's a device that i have run afgs in the past and not had the same stability with those afgs are almost too big yeah to get I, that kind of stability yeah, exactly and the, and the cag seems to do some interesting things that the afg doesn't um i don't know that it necessarily does anything that a vertical foregrip doesn't do I'm just not a big VFG guy. I find that I bounce them off things, catch them on things, etc. Neither here nor there. 
Um, but again, you know, learning to utilize what's on the gun to get in that position. Um, that might also be the magazine in a lot of cases um, on the rooftop. If you could get your hand underneath the gun and get the forend high enough, then you could yeah. utilize the magazine um, almost as like a rear monopod to kind of elevate the gun where you needed it and keep it there. Um, I found that on a lot of different positions that were angled, the magazine ended up being a really good thing to try and push up against something. Um, the only problem was is under recoil, it would slip off of wherever it was. So you right. had to kind of reset each shot, but it definitely studied the dot up, which I needed a lot. Uh, I needed a lot that night. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, any other, I'm trying to think of any other takeaways. Uh, we had one, one of our tribe, um, tried basically the same supported position, but was doing it, um, squatting, kneeling, sitting, yeah. Uh, you know, one knee on the ground, two knees on the ground, full Monica style. And his takeaway was that kneeling is a lot more stable than squatting. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, absolutely. And I would agree with that. I mean, I can, you know, the squatting position is, is a good expedient position if you can't go to prone. Um, and it's a little faster to get out of than kneeling. Um, but I don't know that the trade's there at 300 yards. The trade might be there at 100 or 150. Yeah. Uh, but where you really need to settle the sights down or settle the optic down. I, I, I tried a couple times, but I, my ankles are just too beat up right now to do a lot of that. So it just didn't work for me at all. So, whereas it has in the past. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. Um, I was shooting also with a 1 to 8 um, Trujicon AccuPower. Mm-hmm. Um, ran it most of the night at 4x um, with I think decent success. Um, well, your but the failures your doing. failures weren't sighting system wise. Your, yeah. your failures were more the fact of trying to recognize when the forend was on the barricade versus when the suppressor, suppressor was on the barricade. And because unless you're touching it, it's hard to know that like on some yeah. of those different barricades, especially anything that's round or wedged. It's really hard to know when you're on it and when you're not. Um, mm. I ran into that with the pistol last year when we were doing it yeah. a couple times as well. Um, you know, that's just part of the game. And, and I don't know, maybe that's something where how you index the gun on the forend is something where maybe you want your hand to be touching the barricade as much as the forend so yeah. that you know that you're not out on the muzzle brake. Actually, But found, I think it's still hard to feel that a couple times. Found when I had my hand on the barricade um, that then the gun was, was bouncing with the pulse. From my hand. I'll buy that. Uh, I'd also been riding motorcycles all day long. It was pretty exhausted. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that was that was not good, working in my good favor. Day to, good day to train. Yeah. It was a good day to train. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm trying to think of other takeaways from that. Um, yeah. ACOGs worked really well. We had two yep. guys shooting with ACOGs. Yep. Uh, another guy with one of those AccuPowers. Two other guys with US Optics um, low power variables. Yeah. And then um, one of the red dot shooters had a 3x magnifier and acquitted himself fairly, very well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, and and I think they're the the single solitary guy running just a red dot, um, or was Mac J running an ACOG too? He, had an ACOG he was ACOG too. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. So yeah. So like I said, um, you know, the, the the guy running the dot was the guy running the crank off. Um, mm-hmm. It's seven six two by three nine, and like I said, that that came across well too. So and I think he ran the ACOG. For yeah, a while before the that. rifle. Yep. So yeah. So like I said, you know, there's some takeaways for you. Um, some good information. If if you've got access to some place where you can go shoot off of stupid things, off of non-traditional things like benches or bipods and stuff like that, uh, avail yourself of the opportunity to shoot off of weird things in weird positions. Um, it will make you a better shooter. Um, also maybe spend just a little bit of time figuring out what good body position is too, because if you can understand what good body position is, what natural body position is to get behind the gun, 
in normal shooting stances, you'll probably have a little better idea of what's going to be comfortable for you in not normal body positions. Um, you know, and then maybe every once in a while, shoot your gun standing offhand at a target that's a reasonable size so that you don't embarrass yourself in front of your friends. Like yeah. I did. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the world, you know, if we start looking at what I would call micro terrain in the real world, yeah. um, it is generally not something that you can prone out with a bipod behind. True. Um, true, true. So being able to, to recognize, you know, what what is good cover, um, if it's not cover, what is decent concealment, Yeah. and then will these things help me make my rifle more stable yeah. uh, is an important skill to have. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and like I said, this is the kind of stuff where, again, uh, kudos to the PRS guys for getting that part of the 300-yard range set up. Um because, like I said, it's it's one of those things that you really only you really only get it if you go do it. And going and doing it at 50 yards on a great big steel plate doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, going and doing it at 25 or 50 yards on cardboard targets, you know, unless you really are stressing accuracy, doesn't do it. Um, but getting out at to the 300 where it trigger squeeze, maybe keeping an eye on the wind, bullshit. There was um, wind. Whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, anyway, and, and yeah. also you know elevation. Uh, I think a lot of us like our dope on our rifles from a ballistic standpoint was probably done when it was fifty degrees cooler. Yep. Um, so being able to figure out like, am I missing high? Am I missing low? Yeah. Um, yeah, because I think we had a couple guys that were holding top edge on things, and they I found out the and they found out they were going was, over because it was like, hot enough. It was you know fifty degrees, like you said, fifty degrees warmer, and that yeah. affects things. So, um, yeah. Surprising, but you know, again, if you're not out doing it, you're not going to learn that. And something you might not recognize, you know, at, th- at say at 50 yards or even 100 yards, just due to angular standards. Yeah. Um, you know, at 300, as angular standards start to spread, um, it magnifies things that are going on. Yep. 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 And that's where that 12-inch plate is. That 12-inch plate is still a very reasonable target at 300 yards. If you can shoot four inches at 100. That's 12 inches at 300. You know, you ought to be able to maintain that. And and it, and it became, there were a few times where it was a challenge, just yep. learning why. So. And provided you get the right math to do the elevation. Yep. Yep, yep. Which I did not have the right math yeah. Monday night. I'm not a mathrologist. <laughs> so I don't even play one on TV. So Yeah, so anyways, uh, it was a good day, guys. A lot, of, a lot of good training. And again, if you can get out there and do some stuff like this, um, if you've got a facility or a piece of property where you can avail yourself that's safe to go do these kind of things, um, by all means, get out there and do it, you know, and if you want to add stressors like, you know, doing burpees or push-ups or swinging kettlebells beforehand or something like that, that's mm-hmm. cool too. Um, but, you know, jump into it and, and see what you can do under good conditions and then, and then make it not good conditions and make it more challenging. Yeah. Um, you'd, you'd be surprised. It's, it's, it's more than doable. So. Yeah. One other thing, I, I'm just going to throw this out. Um, I was impressed by everyone. Uh, just in general weapons manipulations, uh, people were on safeties properly. Yeah. Muzzles were constantly pointed in the proper direction. Yeah. Uh, and then when guys had to reload, um, it was like they were doing it in inside a 10-yard range. Yeah, that was one thing that I did notice. You're right. Um, uh, again, weapon handling was solid, but you know I, I expect that from our group, quite honestly. Um, we don't really have a lot of loose muzzles. Um, yeah. We don't have any loose muzzles. Um, but I, I was impressed watching a couple different guys when the gun ran dry. It was back up and hot right now. Um, so that was kind of cool, too, to see that, I guess, that emphasis um, on, on getting things done quickly as if that might actually be necessary in the real yeah. world. Yeah, having an empty gun sucks. So, yep, good stuff. Cool. Um, yep, on that note, uh, please... 
come in and see us. Um, we're in Hilliard, Ohio, 4465 Cemetery Road, uh, right in front of Aldi's next to Louie's Fusion Grill, who is now open for business, um, dine-in and carry-out. Uh, they do yummy, delicious food. Phenomenal you breakfast on the weekend. Check them out. Uh, you can follow us on social media. We are at Cap City Outfitters. Um, on Instagram and Facebook for as long as they let us stick around. Also, a side note on that, at Cap City Outfitters on Instagram and Facebook, um, social media is where we post um, new inventory. Um, if you're tracking things right now, uh, AR-style weapons, defensive-style weapons in any caliber. Shot, um, defensive and shotguns. shotguns. Defensive shotguns and handguns are all very, very, very difficult to get a hold of um, in, a, in, a, in a post-apocalyptic world where we're headed. Um, so if there's something you're tracking down, if you follow us on Instagram and Facebook, that's where it's going to go up first. If you see something you absolutely have to have, call with a credit card. We'll just it away. Yep. Uh, we do an email newsletter once a week. Um, you can sign up for that on our website, capcityoutfitters.com, or drop us an email at info at capcityoutfitters.com. We'll happily add you to the newsletter. It comes out Fridays, um, generally right around 11 a.m. Um, yeah, we're still running COVID-related um, social distancing hours and whatnot. Um, we're doing 10 to 5 Tuesday through Saturday. Uh, we are still limiting also to four customers in the store at a time. Uh, I think the longest anybody's had to wait in the last week is maybe five minutes. Yeah, 10 tops. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, on that note, uh, be safe. If you can't be safe, be dangerous. Thanks, guys.